2: Down the fish tank. Yikes. You. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, Rain, bubble, frogs. Just like Buck said, you in trouble, y'all. Check the floor playing, Got an all van. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. Impact and Pat, we trust. It's have the guts. we here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the
1: Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others
3: from the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. We're sponsored today by Rock Esports Center. Check it out. This is where you can play games all day long. Mention Five Reasons or Five, and you get five dollars off on the twenty-five dollar play all day. We're having our next watch party heat at OKC. We're doing the two K tournament. Before the game this time. So check it out. Five o'clock Eastern. The game is at eight o'clock Eastern. See the Heat play one of the best teams in the Western Conference and win prizes in the 2k tournament so check it out it's in palmetto bay plenty of parking great spot they got food they got drinks they got everything and lots of games to play so check it out rock esports center also make sure you subscribe to off the floor that's our new discord server two dollars and 99 cents per month you get more heat content that you never handle communicate with other heat fans and us all day long we're now doing daily q a's the four hosts of five on the floor so check it out all right today very special guest feel like this was destined for about the past 31 years uh, yeah. that he would be here eventually. Again, I'm Ethan Slugger, so- at going Five Reasons Sports. we got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. And we've got Delon Wright, who is a new member of the Miami Heat, currently on the, I guess it's a West Coast swing still, sort of. They're in Denver now on Mountain Time, going to play the Nuggets tomorrow, try to wrap up a 4-0 and road trip uh, after winning two straight on the road prior to to the break, Delon. We really appreciate you joining us uh, again. Uh, this is something that we thought may happen someday. We know that the Heat always circle back to guys, but as Eric Spolster says, you've kind of been family with the organization for a long time. I just wanted to start with this: what what were kind of your earliest recollections of being around around the Heat, around Darrell with the Heat, uh, meeting Dwayne? I mean, what what do you remember from from kind of uh, the very beginning when you were, I guess, 11 years old when uh, when Darrell was drafted?
3: Yeah. First off, thank you for having me. Um, yeah. So like, I remember, uh, you know, coming, uh, to Miami for Christmases. That was probably the only time I was able to, to come to games because I was in school and I was, uh, you know, playing AAU or in little league back home in LA. So, um, I wasn't able to get to Miami, uh, too often, but, uh, during Christmas, I feel like we were always able to come to the Christmas games. Uh, I feel like they were against the Lakers a lot. Um, because of Shaq and the Kobe, you know, Laker uh, history they had. Uh, so, yeah, I just remember, uh, I think I just spoke on this a, a few days ago about how I used to be in the back of the practice gym with, like, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Little GP, uh, Alonzo's son, um, who I'm uh Shaq kids. Shaq kids were there, too. So, those were probably the early, uh, earliest memories I had of being in Miami. Well, and –
1: Dwayne kind of adopted your brother as, as his brother, uh, or, or, or something when he came in, I remember Darrell getting drafted, uh, and it was kind of a weird situation because he got drafted prior to the trade for Shaq. So when he got drafted, it was like a young team with Karan, who's obviously there, uh, now as an assistant coach and, and Lamar. And so Darrell was drafted to be part of that young core. And then all of a sudden it flipped, you get Shaq, like you're competing for a championship. And I said, I actually did a story on your brother where he was playing out in a on the other side of the state of Florida, back where the, uh, the, I guess the D league team at the time used to be. And he was trying to make his way as an 18 year old, uh, in the league. What what did you learn about, uh, the NBA experience before you got into it, uh, from your brother? Because I can, I can imagine that, that he would have some pretty good advice to share.
3: Yeah, so, uh, which is ironic that we pretty much came into the same type of situation uh, coming into the NBA where we had to wait our turn. Um, so, I feel like I just, you know, it wasn't nothing that he, like, specifically told me uh, about what to expect, but I just picked up on things that I, I saw him go through, which was waiting his turn to play. And uh, when it, whenever he got his opportunity, he uh, he showed what he can do. So, I just tried to, to you know, follow follow his footsteps in that. Aspect,
1: Alex. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, another of our co-hosts here, Greg Sylvander, who uh, who rushed home from work. He wanted to be here so badly uh, with you today. Um, I've got one more, and then I'm going to send it send it over to Alex on on this stuff. Um, uh, your your experience going through uh, through high school ball um, before, and again, you mentioned California, uh, and then obviously uh, playing at, at two different schools. D- did you always think uh, again uh, seeing kind of what your brother experienced, but others in the league? Do you always think I'm going to be an NBA
3: player? Oh, yeah. So I also also tell this story a lot, too. Um, when my brother went straight out of high school, like I was, what, like, sixth grade, seventh grade? So I thought I was going straight out of high school. Um, I was like, if he if he can go straight out of high school. And at that point, I felt like I was better than him. Uh, not like, you know, in our I'm saying like like I was playing at Houston in sixth grade. He had just kind of picked up on basketball and just made it to the NBA. So I just thought it was going to be easy. And I had been... You know, being the best player in my area for so long, I just thought that I was going to walk into the NBA. So um, once I got to high school and I saw that people were way better than me and stronger, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to you know, put in a lot more work. And then um, I just kept grinding from there. And eventually I knew that I was going to have a chance. I just didn't know how I was going to get there and what type of path I was going to take.
0: So uh, kind of with the collegiate career that you had and kind of transitioning here to your early, the early part of your career with the Raptors, you got to play against the Heat, uh, even though it was your rookie year, I believe, uh, for the Raptors when the Heat matched up versus the Raptors in the second round in 2016. Um, what were kind of like your recollections from that series? And I guess just here asking about the early part of your career and what that development was like for you and kind of what? lessons you learned along the way there
3: well yeah I mean um, I didn't play too much so I was really just observing uh, that series you know I was really excited because we were playing against D Wade and uh, he was my favorite player growing up also my brother was on the team he had just came from China I believe so um, we had a lot of family in town and just it just felt like a family I even hung out with the team um, well like UD D-Way, my brother, and a few other guys while well, I was on the other team, we like, went to dinner you know, I, I couldn't really tell anybody because you know we're in the middle of a playoff battle. But uh,
1: I, I want know, to suggest off. something. It's a lot before you go forward. Uh, don't do that now while you're with the Heat because uh, that's that's one of Riley's big things. So I'm, I'm glad you kept that quiet. And obviously, Heat fans are going to like the fact that you were hanging out with Heat players uh, during that series. But uh, Pat didn't even like Zoe and, and Pat and Patrick Ewing hanging out. They were best friends uh, during the Heat Knicks series. So just a word of advice on that one.
3: Yeah, to piggyback off of that. Um, I think it was, like, game game three or four. No, it had to be game three in Miami. I went around the uh, family room, like, upstairs part. And then um, I think my brother – it was my brother that took me up there. It was his wife. She was, like, trying to take me to the family room during a series. And I was, like, I, was, I don't think I should be up here right now. I'm on the opposite team. I don't think, that, you know, the Heat organization would like that. And uh, she kind of – you know, took me in there, and then I, I think she uh heard from someone that she, that wasn't allowed to happen. So um, I definitely know that that's not a good thing to be you know be doing in the middle of a playoff battle.
1: I want to bring I want to bring Greg in here uh, next, but I got one question that just jumps out to me because I, we're we're going to get into your defense obviously because that's a calling card of yours, and obviously that's a big reason why the Heat wanted to acquire you. Um, and, I, and, and it's surprising to me because you've bounced around a little bit. Um, obviously, you've been with several teams. I know you signed a two-year contract with Washington. Uh, or, or, you know, and now, again, at 31 years old, you get an opportunity to play in a rotation with Miami. Why do, why do you think that is? Because uh, you have a skill set that is highly valued, particularly uh, in a day and age that it's tough to defend. Like they don't let you defend the way that they used to let people defend. Uh, and you still do it at an extraordinarily high level. So why do, why do you think that is?
3: Yeah, I think it's just me um, being that fringe type player. You know, like sometimes I can start fill in for certain guys. Sometimes I'm a backup. Uh, so, and also my contract is like it's a great tradable contract. Usually when I sign, so most of the time I'm going to get thrown into trades. Or if they want to upgrade in certain areas, I'm gonna be a guy that other teams are going to be used to, you know, as a trading asset. So. I mean, it's it sucks, you know. That's is that was one of the reasons I I was like contemplating uh, wanting to do a buyout because I didn't want to have to join another team because I just know it adds to the stigma of me bouncing around. So, um, once I you know put that behind me and you know it was uh, like I just have to get out of here, uh, DC, to go join a uh, you know a good situation to help my career keep you know prolonging. Um, it was just a decision I had to make.
2: Welcome to Miami. Um, I, amongst many other Heat fans, have actually been a fan of your game and have been campaigning for you to come to Miami for a very long time. So excited that you're finally here. Uh, Coach Spo often says, we're not for everybody. That's like his big buzz line. And we all know heat culture, the, the expectations, all that kind of stuff. I'm interested. Why do you feel you are for Miami heat culture? What made you gravitate to the organization other than obviously the family ties, et cetera? I'm just interested overall um, what went into the decision-making process of um, when you mentioned the buyout landing in Miami.
3: Yeah, so... um You know, I I go over these things in my head all the time. I'm just thinking, like, you know, the two guys that I follow or, like, mimic my game after, for the most part, were Heat guys, you know, for my brother six years, D-Way, for I don't know how long he was, you know, here in Miami. Um, But I mimic my game and what I do after them. And they just so, you know, happen to be Heat players. So the things that I take pride in, they do. And, you know, they bring to the game. So, uh, I think that was one of the main reasons why I've been able to fit with this type of system is, you know, I just like to do the little things. I like to play team basketball. Um, you know, I'm a culture guy, a loyal guy. So, uh, you know, those things uh, align with what the Heat like and what I like. So I think it's going to be a perfect fit, you know, moving forward.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
2: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. I'll, I'll
1: jump in next here, and I, and I want to ask you on, on that. When you talk about a perfect fit, uh, again, one of the big reasons is on the defensive end, that this is a team that's needed... Uh, really, for a while, someone to guard the point of attack uh, from the guard position, keep guys out of the paint. I- I'm just curious, at what point of your career did you decide, okay, I'm going to make that my primary focus? Because obviously, you can do things on the offensive end. We saw you do it against the Heat with Atlanta in that playoff series. You were one of the more efficient, the Hawks, more efficient players. Offensively in that series, in addition to giving Tyler hell at times uh, on the defensive end, I, I, we've we've talked about that some. But at what point in your career did you say, okay, this is a way for me to stick for a long time? And when did you realize, okay, because I, I, I know the Bob Cousy Award and other things that came to you in college, but when did you kind of say, okay, this is I'm gonna this is gonna be my thing. I'm just gonna guard the hell out of people.
3: It, it might sound crazy, but I think that he series was the first time I really. Um you know, it really clicked in my head. Um, you know, throughout my career, I've always, you know, hung my hat on playing defense, but I was never you – know, I never looked at myself as, oh, I'm going to go try to stop this guy tonight. I'm going to go um, try to take him out of this, out of this game. So um, once – you know, before that Heat series, I wasn't playing uh, as much in Atlanta until like the last 15 games of the season. And my, my role was to play alongside Trey and kind of guard the point guards. Um, and then on offense, it just kind of move the ball, hit spot-up shots, and just do a little thing. So um, once I got into that Heat series, uh, McMillan, he, he told me that my matchup was going to be Tyler. So I took that, you know, took that as a, a challenge for me to um, try to make, you know, it, 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 it as hard as possible on him.
0: So, DeLon, you, you talk about the defense there and kind of how you've made that your calling card almost in, now I know it's only been a couple of games. It's still really early for you. We haven't even uh, we, not, we haven't even gotten to see you at home yet, and you know that's coming up too. But as far as what you've seen so far, when it comes to the defense and the way that Spo, who has been notorious for cycling through different coverages and what others will call you know quote unquote junk defenses, what do you think of like kind of that aspect and what you've seen so far, where you're having to do you're having to execute all these different coverages, and uh, how do you feel you fit there?
3: I mean, I think, I think I was going to be a great fit uh, just moving forward. Um, a lot of the things that he's preaching to us in practice is the things that I do and the things that I want to do. Um, especially, uh, you know, when we're in that little uh, – the press. He's telling me to go stab at the ball, go try, try, try to gamble, try to get a steal. Yeah. You know, a lot of my career, when I, when I came into the NBA, that's the type of player I was, you know, going for steals, gambling, you know, putting the team in bad situations. by um, I me mean, gambling. <laughs> But it worked out a lot. But um, And then, like, you know, as I started to get into my career, a lot of coaches, you know, told me to stop doing it. So I kind of, like, took a back seat from doing that because I want to, you know, fit in and play the right way. And then once I started to see that it worked for me and I had to play that way, I just, you know, took that as my role. And, you know, I just ran with it.
0: Uh, A quick follow-up. So I was just thinking about it now as you were talking and kind of thinking about the amount of defensive talent that's currently on the heat with Jimmy, Bam, you know, you got Haywood, Caleb, uh, and so on and so forth. Is this the best defensive team you've played on when it comes to just personnel? Because I know you were on that Raptors team, you know, that 2018-2019 team had a lot too. And just kind of how comfortable does it make you where so that you can just kind of fit into a team that is kind of all about what you're about and it doesn't feel like you're having to cover up for a bunch of dudes like you're out there with other guys who are kind of just on the same string with on this on the string with you and are, you know, just as good defenders as you.
3: Yeah, by far, this is has to be the best defensive team I've been on. Um, you know, that Raptors team, we were like a team defensive team. You know, we played great team defense together. But here uh, individually, we have, you know, a lot of guys that I would consider could be better defender than me, you know depend on what type of a uh, player we're guarding. So um, you know, Bam and Jimmy are the two that stand out the most. They're all defensive players. Um I don't think I've played with all defensive player yet to be honest. Could I don't I don't think uh maybe Kawhi was the only one I've played with so far. Um so you know, this has to be you know the best defense that I've been able to to play with.
1: We were looking at some of the lineups that Spoh's using and I know some of this is uh, him experimenting, and some of it is, you know, Tyler's injury, and and others who've been been out, and obviously the suspensions, uh, that came in that adjusted things a little bit on this road trip too. But he threw out a lineup of you, Jimmy, Jaime, Caleb, and Bam, uh, and we're like, who's scoring on that? <laughs> like, I and and you could you could substitute, I think, you know, you know, Haywood in for Jaime and get a similar effect, but. Uh, it does seem like there's a ton of different diff- the defensive personnel to play with, and, and a lot of it starts with Bam, and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you here. Um, what is the reputation? Because we, we watch Bam, and we're constantly amazed by what he does defensive. We don't understand why he hasn't won a Defensive Player of the Year award to this point, um, particularly with some of the Heat's better defenses, how much, he co- how much ground he covers, um, guarding guards, which is something that not a lot of bigs can do. I guess, what is the perception of him around the league? And also, can you describe for someone who's not like a basketball expert, like what makes him great?
3: Yeah, so I'll start with the perception. Um, I'll go back to that Atlanta series. He gave uh, he gave us troubles because he was switching one through five, um, and he was making it hard on, on, on Trey. So um, just his uh, versatility on defense, being able to switch one through five, being able to block shots, uh, you know, be a low pro, a low post presence. Um, you know, he's so sort of, he's so versatile. So I would just say that that's his biggest um biggest strength. And um, what was the second one? Sorry.
1: Well, I guess yeah, it was the perception of the league, but also just like like you're kind of getting into it, which is um, you know, the things that he does that are unusual. I mean, he just does seem like a unicorn. Uh, at the position right now. And I'm I'm just wondering because he, he's not a big shot block guy, which is probably the reason that he hasn't gotten defensive player of the year. We know that it tends to go to the guy with the most, the most block shots. Uh, it's been that way, I guess, with, with Jaron, with, uh, with, with Rudy. Also, I I guess, what, what should it be in your view? Like what, what, what makes the defensive player of the year? Who should be first team all defense? What do you value?
3: I'm going to say the guards, I think guards should get it more, to be honest. Like, um, I'm just, because if you look at the NBA, the the, the best scores are usually point guards and like small forwards. And we have to guard that every game. And, you know, we're making it tough on, um, you know, the opposing guards and small forwards. So, um, I think guards should get more recognition, but, um, I understand why the centers, you know, get, you know, get the most recognition because, um, They're like the last line of defense. They're getting to block shots. They're anchoring the defense. So, um, you know, I understand, but I just, you know, I'm just going to throw some love for my guards out there.
2: I love to hear that. Um, Interested also, just on the personal side, we know you've grown up as Heat family, essentially, and uh, we know your connections to all the people throughout the organization. But of, of active players, uh, who would you say are your go-to guys for advice around the league? Who are your best friends around the league? You know, not to get too personal, but just I'm interested to pick your brain on the people that are active today, not the Dwaynes and the Derrells of the world, but the people that are actually maybe even on the Heat or on other teams that uh, that you're closest to.
3: Yeah, so I've been on so many teams, so I've I built a lot of relationships with uh, guys. Um uh-huh. I would say most of my Toronto guys, uh, Norman Powell. I talk to him a lot. We play a lot of Call of Duty together. Um, I talk to OG Ananobi. You know, we're he's sending me memes and stuff on Instagram all the time, like all day. Like he don't post on Instagram, but he'll send you memes, you know, all day. Um, I don't want to give his secrets out there, but uh, you might be guarding him in the playoffs, by the way. Yeah, I might have to. <laughs> I, I know his moves, so I, hopefully, I can do a good job on him. <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna go with those. Two. Oh, obviously, Cal Kuzma, my my, my college teammate. Um, we're still very close. I was glad I was able to team up with him for two years. Um, just see his growth this has been crazy. Um, I'll just go with those those two guys right now. Like those are probably the most guys I talk to consistently.
1: A, uh, uh, what I wanted to ask you though, we, we've seen you wear some different numbers. Uh, so we had we took some questions from our off the floor. Uh, Discord server from Heat fans. One of the questions was asked was, did you offer Duncan anything for 55? Because uh, did, did, we, we, know, we know Duncan's a little feisty these days. He's getting in arguments with Jalen Brown and others, making a ton of threes. Uh, did he fight you off for that number, or did you not request it?
3: Not even a chance. Like Who would I be to go <laughs> ask him, all-time leader in threes, to switch <laughs> the number? <laughs> no way. I wouldn't. I didn't even think about it. Like, it wasn't did even Kar- a Did have Karan did say have anything about you?
2: To-
1: about Sorry, taking man. Karan's number, who? Yeah, number four. Number four, the Karan. I mean, that's. I mean, I didn't know if Karan wanted that hung in the rafters or not. But, uh, but you're, that's that's the Ronnie Cycly Karan Butler heat number. Like, how did you arrive at that
3: one? Honestly, I didn't even think about that. Um, I was thinking about the last person, RJ, that wore. I didn't think about anybody else uh, before that. Um, but you know, obviously, I've I wore fifty-five most of my career, um, and then most of the single-digit numbers were taken. No, like growing up, I used to wear one growing up, which my brother ended up wearing for the heat. I think he took that from me, but um, <laughs> that was, that's no, it's not, we're not we're not gonna talk about that, but so you, well, you that two, one
1: I, got that one that one got retired too, but not
0: not for yeah. your brother, But yeah. That, you can't
1: pull that one down either. Uh, you see, you see, you you up, <laughs> so. Alex, jump in.
0: So, DeLon, you mentioned earlier, like, all the different guys that, you know, players like you have to guard every night when it comes to the wings, and the perimeter players. And just in general, I wanted to ask you, what who have you found to be the toughest guys to guard um, just kind of over the years for you?
3: The toughest guys are like, for me, would be um, Dame. Dame was very tough because you have, to, you have to pick him up so high. And if you pick him up high, it's a chance of him blowing by you. So... I think for me and me guarding these like top players, I need a center that is going to be like kind of on the same page as me where we're both working together and, you know, we're able to switch sometimes or because if I have a slow center, you know, it's going to be a long night. Um, he's going to attack me and attack him and it's going to, you know, going to make me look bad. But, uh, you know, if I have somebody in partnership with me that, you know, we're both able to hold our own, that's, that's probably when I'm at my best.
1: I don't think people think of that.
3: Honestly, I think when
1: they talk about uh, perimeter and wing defenders, they just think about okay, can he just guard and stay in front of his man? But I don't think they recognize that you know the synchronicity that's required uh, with the guys behind them, uh, you know, to to have to have an effective defense. Do you like playing zone, by the way, or not? Because we know Spo uses some of it. Sometimes he'll, like we talk about it, he'll junk up some of the games and in, in the playoffs he'll throw like a steady die at his zone after we haven't seen it for three weeks, and then other times he'll he'll use all. The, do you enjoy playing zone or? would you just prefer to play as much man as possible?
3: No, I enjoy it because uh, for me, um, when I play regular defense, you know, I play the regular uh, guard my man, go to the corner. It's kind of boring. But when I'm switching and running all over the place, I'm, it gives me more opportunity to get steals and get deflections when I'm in a zone, I'm moving around. Uh, the, the, the offense doesn't know where I'm going to go, or if I'm going to switch on to you. So I like to junk it up and – um give me more opportunities to get steals and deflections and just run all over the place
0: does that get you into rhythm like i just thought about it now as you were saying like does like a defensive rhythm when you're just kind of like in the zone you're more activated having to you know cover more ground and make more decisions like you're talking about i've never really considered that before like like you said um the man stuff is a little bit more boring to you is it a is it a rhythm thing it just kind of keeps you stimulated and activated
3: yeah yeah so like um
0: Early in my career, I used to shy
3: away from probably guarding the best people because, you know, I wouldn't say I was afraid, but I just wanted to, you know, do the best I could in the minutes I had. And then as I got, you know, more into a rhythm in the NBA, um, I looked for those matchups to put me on the best people because, you know, the, the best player is going to have a ball in their hands. So that's just going to engage you more into the game. It's going to integrate you right into the game. You have to be locked in. And it gives me, like I just said, it gives me more chances to get deflections and steals because, you know, naturally guys are looking to get a ball to the best players. And that's when I play the passing lanes.
1: I want to ask you about what it's been like the last week. You, you come into a team uh, off a buyout. Uh, there's a lot of excitement for you. Obviously uh, the heats uh, acquired a starter at the position and, and Terry, and then he was hurt, came back a little earlier than we expected, which was, which was a good thing. When you get thrown in this, you're with your new team and, and all of a sudden uh, Jimmy's getting choked and, uh, and you and, and, you know calling onto the crowd and nico's running from the other side of the court and all these things are happening what, what was that i mean you got integrated quickly like you've you, you i mean all of a sudden you you don't even know the, a lot of these guys that well and and here you're you know just like talk about the band of brothers thing here uh what was that like and, and i guess my follow-up to this and i mean this in the nicest possible way is jimmy butler the biggest troll you've ever played with just like the biggest cloud like i, I mean he's sitting there call you know Throwing him and Nico in an Instagram photo with bad boys and all this—I am just curious what that experience was like for you in the past week.
3: Oh yeah, he's definitely—you um, know—it's only been a few few games with the team, but he's definitely one of the biggest, uh, you know, trolls so far that I've played with. And I—I I even seen it uh, when I was not on the team yet. I would you know follow his Instagram because he always posts something funny, or he's calling out his teammates, to call him call him weak and trash. So I just found humor in that. Um, But, yeah, no, getting thrown into the fire is probably the best way for me, Um, you know, just to figure it out on the fly. Um, You know, because once you get into your rhythm and your set rotations, you know, you kind of got to have to stick to that. You know, you don't want to, you know, mess up what the team uh, has going on. And so my first game, by everybody being out, I was able to kind of play freely and um, just – you know, figure the guys out on the fly.
2: So as the resident Pat Riley guy on this podcast, I have to ask because I ask every player I get the opportunity and you probably have more of them than most people. Cause you go back so ways. Give us a good Pat Riley story that we may not know.
3: Ah, man, honestly, I don't have any, I don't, I don't, I don't think I met him too many times. I probably really? met him once or twice. Wow. Um,
1: was there a conversation like when you go through? Uh, you were talking about the buyout process earlier, and I'm just curious how that works because, like you said, you made a decision that you wanted to you know, sort of change the narrative of your career. Um, I mean, we were talking about you as a buyout candidate possibly, but you weren't like freed up yet, so we didn't know. Like we were talking about other guys, but well, we don't know if the line's going to be available. Like, how did that process even work? And was there a conversation with Pat then? Like uh, he brings you on board and and says. This is what, you know, we're expecting from you or or just basically through SPO?
3: Um, so yeah, it started off with uh, my brother and U D. They were at uh UD's retirement party and um they they both well my brother told me that the the night after that uh him and oh, also also curious, sorry, Quentin Richardson. They all he, they all got pretty heated and were like yelling at Spo, like, Yo, y'all need to trade for the lawn, y'all need to go get him, like, you know, he's not um he's not enjoying Washington right now. Like, and exposed. like, yeah, yeah, I know I like them, but you know, we just trying to make it work. You know, it's, it's always the business side. So, um, my brother was telling me that two weeks before I end up, you know, taking a buyout and how that came about is, um, Terry and, um, Terry and, uh, Jay Rich getting hurt. So they, uh, they called my agent about, uh, you know, seeing what was going on with me. And, um, I was like yeah like it's, it sounds good but you know I, I want to try to make it work in Washington we have only like 30 more games um hopefully in free agency they have uh you know the same you know uh the same uh interest in me and then once you know I, the next day we end up playing before the the, the the all-star break I played two minutes in Washington after I, I was play I had a good two minutes and I didn't get touched the rest get in the rest of the game yeah. um. You know, I called my agent, like, yeah, we gotta do this. Like we gotta it's time. My brother, my brother was the first one after the game. He's like, Yeah, man, like it's time, bro. Like you can't you can't sit no more and wait. And so that's when I hit my agent, like, yeah, like I'm ready to you know, ready to do this. And then um put me on the phone with Spoh. And uh we kinda talked about um roles and what was going on mm-hmm. with the team. And uh that's when I was like I'll be, I'd rather you know, sit on a bench in Miami than sit in Washington because I know in, in Miami I'll get a chance at one point to, to prove myself.
1: Well, it's crazy because guys like you who – I mean, you called yourself a fringe player earlier, but obviously you've been a rotation player in the league and you've had some really good moments. But guys like you are more valuable to good teams than to rebuilding bad teams. And I used to have that conversation with Shane Battier all the time when he was with the Heat. He'd be like – He's like, I'm of no use <laughs> to a rebuilding team. Like, I, there's nothing I could do that's going to provide anything for them except maybe get them more wins that they don't want. Uh, that, that's basically. The, but he's like, on a team like Miami, you plug me next to LeBron, Dwayne, and Chris, and like tell me to do this, and I'll go do it. And and he obviously did it in a way that helped him win. Uh, two championships. I will say this, Delando, you, you must, the Let's Go Heat chance must be familiar to you because I used to hear a lot of those in Washington when I would be covering games in Washington. Uh, Washington, Atlanta, or Orlando, but Washington definitely, and now it's happening on this road trip. It happened in New Orleans. It happened, I mean, you're like on America's team now, it feels like.
3: Yeah, I thought uh, being in Toronto, we had great fans, but so far of, uh, you know, the Miami Heat fans, they're traveling really well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hearing those "Let's Go Heat" chants uh, in a, in a, in a road arena is, is pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to finally play at home and see the yeah. atmosphere because um, I know, you know what what to expect, you know, from the Heat fans.
1: Is that going to be we'll close here? And again, Delon Wright, we really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks to Alex and Greg for hosting and Rocky Sports Studio um, for uh, hosting our, our watch parties uh, and being a sponsor for us as well. Will that be emotional for you? because again you you I mean you run into it you're on the road like that's and and now now you're coming home and you're playing the place that your brother used to play you're playing and I mean you guys are in a contending chase now all the way up to the 5 seed uh 3 seed looks like it could be in sight if some things break right what's that going to feel like for you when uh when you when you know Spo taps you on the shoulder and you run to the scores table
3: yes yeah, um you know I'm, I'm I'm thinking about what it's going to be like and I think it's going to be emotional um not tears or anything but I'm just gonna be like, wow! Am I really here? Like, this is this is pretty crazy, you know. When the first time I put on the road or our jersey on the road, I had that feeling, but it it wasn't the same as you know when the announcer first called your name to the game, and you know the, the fans get the first like look at you in the heat uniform. Uh, so I think it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be playing off of emotion and uh, adrenaline, and um, you know I just can't wait. Well, again, thanks. Uh-
0: Okay, I think, I think we lost our host for a second yeah. there. But so yeah.
2: well, we do appreciate you greatly for coming on the show. We appreciate the time. We, we hope to have you back again. Here's Ethan. Maybe can wants to close up shop, but I was there just making you thinking go on again.
1: <laughs> it, it, internet crash here in Fort Lauderdale. But uh, no, thanks. I just want to say uh, we really appreciate you coming on. And hopefully, this will be more than just a two or three or, or four month uh thing I, I can imagine that uh again contracts up at the end of the season i can imagine this is a place that you may want to stay so uh so we wish you the best of luck with everything and 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 obviously we're happy to to be following you the rest of
3: the way here thanks Alan. thank you guys for having me i appreciate it uh, i'll see you soon
1: thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five reason sports network after all
2: someone needs to listen to my dad